This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Yes, it is. It's a podcast and you love it. This week, we've got Logan Sadnick uh, interviewing the Greens candidate up at Auckland Central. Chloe Rawbert came third in the Auckland mayoralty race last time round, so she's going to be talking about the upcoming cannabis referendum and how we can engage youth. Now, we're just going to be playing a little bit of this interview, but you can watch it tonight in full. Make sure you head to their Facebook page, their Instagram, or their Twitter. They're called Vote 2020. Here we are. Um, there's plenty of people who say if we want to have a fair society, we need to bite the bullet and impose heavier taxes on the rich. Yet, when we're faced with the prospect of pushing through unpopular reforms like capital gains tax, our politicians show time and time again they don't have the courage for it. Why? Uh, because what's politically expedient and what the right thing to do is are very different things. Um, I would note that there's only one party in Parliament that still is advocating for the capital gains tax. Uh, But I'd also really investigate the premise that the majority of society is against something like the capital gains tax. That's simply not true as far as I'm concerned. It's actually far more a matter of the loudest voices in the room. And, I mean, if you were to speak to particularly um, investment in property uh, and the people who are having the capacity to do things like lobby or have a louder voice through media or as mainstream commentators or on talkback radio or whatever else, um, those mythologies around taxation are not all too dissimilar to the mythologies that have been um, alive for 40 plus 50 years on things like the war on drugs. Um, they are mythologies. They do not hold up against any evidence or with any economist, but it ultimately depends on what your goal is with um, those forms of taxation or economic policies. Um, I would say that it has been incredibly gutting uh, to watch what I see as the wastage of political capital and not leaning into something that I believe certain political actors do deeply probably believe in um, for the sake of that expediency. So I think that this is the kind of stuff which ends up um, turning a lot of people who have progressive viewpoints from politics But the perversity with that as an outcome is that the people who are the most disengaged, the most marginalised, the most disenfranchised by our political systems are the least likely to engage and therefore the least likely to actually change the system. Um, And it's that kind of really whack thing where, you know, I speak relatively frequently about mates of mine, I'm obviously on the left and have friends who fancy themselves anarchists and, you know, see that their role is simply to just to not engage in politics as a whole. And that's their protest. It's like, well, that's not a particularly effective protest, bro. Like, organise, <laughs> do something. Um, because regardless of whether you choose to engage in the system of governance and the system of democracy, it is what governs your life. Um, and choosing to opt out of that continues to re-entrench power and wealth in the hands that already have it. Um, So we're going to move back to the cannabis referendum. There are several factors that are yet to be established in effectively managing the legalisation of cannabis. The Land Transport Drug Driving Amendment Bill is currently in select committee and it's yet to establish the limits for drug driving. How can New Zealanders have the confidence to vote for it now when those drug driving limits are yet to be established? 
because you will not be able to drive under the influence of cannabis. Driving under the influence of cannabis is illegal right now and it will remain illegal. The benefit of voting for cannabis legalisation and control is that for the first time, consumers of cannabis will have information about how that cannabis will impact them. The potency, the quality of the substance, whether there are other intoxicants sprayed on it, for example, uh, and the kind of warning labels and duty of care that is required by the person who is selling and supplying the substance to provide that education and information to the end consumer will mean that there's far less guesswork as there presently is under the prohibitive black market criminalisation approach, whereby people are making it up as they go along based on hot takes, reckons, Reddit threads and their mates. Uh, now, you know, if we were to move towards this process of cannabis legalisation and control, people would be informed and know how long it's going to impact them for and therefore be able to make decisions, the right decisions, to not drive under the influence. There's also mental health risks that have been associated with the legalisation of cannabis. Do you expect we'll see mental health and addiction services be allocated extra resources to cope with a possible increase in demand? Sorry, can I just investigate your, the premise of that question? You've said that there's been mental health risks associated with the legalisation of cannabis. Yeah. Where's so that from? Studies have shown that, um, you know, there's not necessarily causation, but there's correlation with... Can I, can I ask which jurisdiction you're looking at and what study you're quoting? We will have to get it. <laughs> cool, because, um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost... Absolutely. There are um, mental ill health issues associated to particularly early and excessive use of cannabis. And we have that research locally here in Aotearoa, some of the best research in the world, the Otago and Christchurch longitudinal studies, which associate particularly heavy and early usage of cannabis with uh, poor later life outcomes, whether that is a propensity towards benefit dependency or um, inability to hold down a job, um, a raft of kind of poor relationship outcomes as well. And basically what that says to us is that there are problems with early excessive use of cannabis and there are mental health outcomes that are not particularly good. Uh, The way that you begin to unpack that is firstly, are a number of people using um, cannabis illicitly to self-medicate? So again, the correlation causation question is a really important one, but nonetheless, they are correlative. Uh, And the other thing is... All of these problems that we're citing with regard to people using cannabis early, excessively, and experiencing poor life outcomes has occurred under cannabis prohibition. So to try and cite examples of what is happening under cannabis prohibition as a reason to retain cannabis prohibition simply does not make any logical sense. The argument instead has to become recognition first and foremost that I think Uh, Myself and probably prohibitionists would agree that it's a good thing that we reduce youth usage and actually stamp it out as much as possible and ensure that people who are using later in life do so with harm mitigation. And the best way to do that is to ensure that we have the rules, the systems, the regulations, the laws in place to reduce that harm and to reduce youth usage. Right now... Yeah, you do expect mental health and addiction services to be allocated extra resources if legalisation is to occur? 
I just really want to make it clear that there is currently no evidence that mental health um, instances, poor mental health outcomes have increased under cannabis legalisation anywhere. But what I am saying is that I absolutely accept, and this is one of the reasons that I am advocating for cannabis legalisation, that there is problems with early excessive use of cannabis. But you can accept that about cannabis and then say that cannabis legalisation and control is one approach to cannabis that will reduce those harms. On your point around funding, um, that funding is currently required, but the uh, kind of levies that will be uh, ring fenced is the proper terminology under the cannabis legalisation and control bill. Uh, yes, there will be an increase in funding, and you can find that in the draft legislation. And that was a highlight reel from the Vote 2020 interview where Logan Stadnick sat down with the Greens Auckland Central candidate Chloe Swarbrick to talk about the upcoming cannabis referendum and how we can engage youth. Of course, the Greens are advocating for a yes vote, so if you're interested in listening to the full interview, make sure you go and check out Vote 2020 on their Facebook page, uh, on Twitter or on Instagram. They will be playing that tonight that was a f***ing radio one podcast mate there's heaps more at r1.co.nz